because we're doing this, this sermon series uh, called Relationships Reimagine. And uh, essentially all semester what we're going to be doing is we are going to be looking at your relationships. Uh, this could be your friendships. This could be your relationship with your work, with your parents, uh, dating, marriage. We're going to have an entire sermon on sex. Uh, that will be weird and fun and all the things. Um, and so tonight we're, we're just introducing uh, our sermon series. We're, we're starting at the very beginning. I think there's no more appropriate place to start than Genesis 1. And uh, this entire sermon series, I'm just going to go ahead and get it out of the way instead of footnoting kind of every paragraph. Um, Richie Sessions, RUF Cam- uh, Campus Minister at Vanderbilt. Matt Howe who's a pastor in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, Sammy Rhodes, who's at South Carolina with RUF, and Brian Sorgenfry, who's at Ole Miss. These guys, like, everything that you hear tonight that's clear and makes sense, and you're like, wow, that's awesome, uh, credit to them. Anything that's confusing and you're like, man, that might be offensive, I don't like that, uh, it's on me. So <laughs> just to get that out of the way from the start, um, they, I am very much indebted to them for all the information you're about to hear. So... With all that out of the way, um, I didn't really know where to start tonight. Like, I don't really know how to, to jump in. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to quote maybe one of the most widely respected cultural theologians there is. Um, Queen Olivia Rodrigo. She's got this to say. Quote, well, good for you. You look happy and healthy. Not me, if you ever cared to ask. Good for you. You're doing great out there without me, baby. God, I wish I could do that. I've lost my mind. I've spent the night crying on the floor of my bathroom. But you're so unaffected, I really don't get it. But I guess, good for you. End quote. (laughs) Um, Obviously, our girl, uh, Olivia, she's a little sarcastic here, right? Um, But I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it because... didn't really know what the song was until this summer. And um, now it's everywhere, right? And so you can't help but to think about and And aren't we a little bit like Olivia in how we think about our relationships? I mean, there's a reason why this song's so popular, right? It could be a friendship, your relationship with a family member, a roommate, significant other. There seems to be a disconnect between the thing we want, the thing we need, and, and reality. It makes us cynically sarcastic. I don't know if you've ever, like, sat on your couch. This happened to me a lot this summer. And um, there's one of those flies, you know, it's just kind of, like, hovering at the window. and keeps, like, banging against the window trying to get outside. Um, especially those, like, really, like, slow and fat ones. You guys know what I'm talking about? And um, don't you feel like if you were that fly, like, after a while, you'd kind of find yourself a little irritated. You're like... The thing, the thing I want, right, right the very thing I, like, I was made for, the outside freedom to roam, buzz, whatever flies do, um, it's right there. But then there's this, there's this obstacle that prevents me from, from getting there. And I just have to imagine uh, relationships feel exactly the same. <laughs> they feel exactly the same. You desperately desire them. You were made for them. So what most of your lives revolve around. I mean, uh, I was processing with one of y'all recently. Like, all you guys come to Michigan, and there's never, like, a, 
you know, I'm just going to assume I'm going to have friends or I'm just going to assume I'm going to plug in, right? Like you scheme, you're like, I'm going to rush that sorority. I'm going to join that club. I'm going to, you know, live in this residence hall, right? You're scheming about your relationships because they matter that much. And if, if you're not, right, like on some level, there's probably a lot of social anxiety you feel about your relationships here in college. Right? Relationships are the source of your greatest pain. They just, they just are. They're the source of your deepest hurt and, and a crippling, earth-shattering fear. And so, right, simultaneously, it's what we want. It's what we get excited about. But then it's the thing that uh, keeps us up at night. This is, like, literally why social media is a gazillion-dollar business, right? It's a gazillion-dollar industry because TikTok is able to capitalize not only, like, on your desire to see your friends, your desire to be with your friends, and to do, like, friendship-like things. But we all know this too well, right? Like, it also capitalizes on your fragile, like, relational insecurity. Um, Your ability to read into pictures and they use that emoji and... And like whatever captions are being put out there, right? It's, it's the comparison of your broken relationships to the idealized ones. And so no wonder Queen Olivia can confess, I've lost my mind. I've lost my mind. I've spent the night crying on the floor of my bathroom. It's because the beauty and goodness of relationships are so much woven into the fabric of your humanity that when they fall apart, you feel like you've died. You feel like you can't pick yourself up off the bathroom floor and there's nowhere to go. There's nothing you can do about it. And so cynical sarcasm just oozes out of you. So the question I wanna put before us this semester, this entire semester, the question I wanna put before us is, can you do anything about your relationships? Where, where do you get wisdom for your relationships? What do you do about them? And, but here's, here's my challenge, too, because I, I'm preaching to a bunch of students who already have an answer to this question. You guys already have an answer to this question. You've already come up with a game plan for your relationships, right? Either you're a realist and you bring that realism and sarcasm into your relationships, and you resolve to the fact that your friendships, your family, your significant others, they're never going to be what you want them to be. And so instead of hoping for like change in these relational dynamics, relationship with the roommate or mom and dad, you've just resolved yourself to the fact like it is what it is. And so now you're trying to spend the rest of your life figuring out how to like circumnavigate the fact that like these are immovable, immovable obstacles. All right, so either you're a realist or, or maybe you're an idealist. You bring that idealism into a never-ending quest to kind of fight, find the right one. It's kind of like the Disney approach to relationships, right? You go through your college years dreaming, searching, looking under every stone to find like the right best friend. The one who's not going to backstab you this time. Everybody else might have, but like if I could just find that one best friend. You overanalyze every interaction with the opposite sex because if, if he or she is, is, is the right one, you could never think about dating them. Unless they are the right one, right? Forget about it. Pretty soon you find yourself exhausted. 
You're burnt out by people because, because nothing has worked. People are just the problem. These are just two examples of how you might already have an answer to how you deal with relationships. But my point, here's my point, is that whatever it is, like you find yourself in this complex, frustrating web of wanting but not wanting the very thing you need. Some of you are like, yeah, this is why, Knuth, like, I've gotten completely stoic. <laughs> Just stop caring and, like, it's not going to affect you. Ah, eh, wrong. <laughs> because tonight I want you to see that you were made for relationships. That's where we're starting this semester. You were made for them. They are good, they are beautiful, and they are essential to who you are as a human being. Next week, we're going to be looking at um, what's broken about your relationships. But tonight, as we consider what's good and beautiful about your relationships, uh, we'll look at your relationship with God, we'll look at your relationship with others, and we'll look at your relationship with the creation. Those are my three points for us tonight. First, your relationship with God. As Caroline so eloquently read for us, um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. Like, Scripture literally begins by saying, in the beginning, God. That means all that existed was him. There was no sun, there was no moon, there were no stars. There's no light. There's no space. And for those of y'all who like maybe have grown up in the church or have been around the Bible, you're like, yeah, Knuth, that's obvious. <laughs> but I want, you, I want you to imagine for a second. I want you to imagine nothing. What do you think about? Black, void, no light, darkness, right? Like that's still something, right? So the story of the Bible from the very first verse, it begins with a category that we, we don't currently possess. In the beginning, God. He is eternal. There was never a time when, when he was not. Time does not constrain him. He's infinite, right? Like there is no finish to him. He just is. He exists. As God in Exodus 3 speaks to Moses through a burning bush, it was weird, right? Because like the bush was on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And God reveals his name. He says, I am. I am who I am, literally, is what he says. God simply is. But what this also means, what this also means is that God is, God is unchangeable. Nothing can somehow like change his character because nothing preceded him, right? He can't somehow like learn things. He brought everything into being by the word of his power. Y'all, you ever think about that? God spoke, just opened his mouth like I'm doing right now. He spoke and boom, things happened. He opened his mouth and, and used words to create the world around you with his infinite mind. Nothing can change or affect a God with this sort of power. And so 
Theologians call this God's immutability. God's immutability, right? Think of trying to mute a TV. Mute a TV's volume, right? And, and you as the sovereign have, have the ability to pick up the remote and like click. You make things happen, right? The point to like the entire chapter of Genesis 1-2, I know there's like a lot of debate, like creation of the world, how did it happen? I would love to have that conversation with you. Um, hit me up. I'm always down for coffee. But like the entire point to Genesis 1 and 2 is that you are not sovereign. <laughs> you are not God. There is a God. You are not him. You can't mute God like you do a, a TV. And so an implication, y'all are, some of y'all are looking at me like immutability. Man, what does that mean? And here's what you need to know. An implication of immutability is that God has to be holy. Right, and so like again, some of y'all are thinking, "Man, holy!" Got this picture of like a strict, cold God who you know who spews like white lava at whoever stands in his way. But what I want you to see is that like holiness is so much more real and wonderful than that. Holiness just means that God is completely other than us, right? He is completely separated from His creation. He He's not me. He's not you, which is why, like, it is mind-blowing. It's absolutely earth-shatteringly mind-blowing that Genesis 1, 26, and 27 reveals a holy God separated from his creation who delighted to, quote, make man in our image after our likeness. Do you know what this means? It means that whoever you are tonight, you are made in the image and likeness of the triune, immutable, infinite, eternal God of the universe. You are made with dignity. You are made with innate worth and value and respect. You are to be treasured. Because you are the pinnacle of everything, everything God made, not your dog, not the elegant sunrises over the winter morning of a Michigan sky. You, you are the pinnacle of creation. Do you know what this also means? It means that you were made and designed for a relationship with God. You belong to him in relationship. All right, so like, why why is this the case? Um, Maybe you expect me to say something like that as a pastor, right? But why? Why? Let's let's use our minds. Why would that have to be the case? Why does God creating you as a human being, the pinnacle of his creation, actually reveal the purpose to your entire life? Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Right, it's because simply as a, as a matter of fact, God is a trinity. He has always existed in relationship with himself. The son has eternally been begotten of the father. So even though he's son, right, and there's some confusion about this, because he eternally proceeds out of the father, there never was a time where the father existed apart from the son. And it's out of both the father and the son that the spirit also eternally proceeds. If I've just lost you, 
Here's the too long, don't read version. What I'm trying to say is that God in himself, in one entity, in one Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is also simultaneously an eternal community. Yes, it's, it's confusing. <laughs> yes, off the cuff, like it makes no sense because we, like, we don't have a category for the Trinity in our kind of seen lives. There's, there's wonderful mystery here. But this relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit reveals, it reveals the life and death nature to our need for relationships. Like Olivia Rodrigo is normal because relationships, we need them. That's why we all resonate with songs like that. Michael Reeves uh, says it way better than me. And this is kind of a long quote. It's kind of a nerdy quote. I'm preaching to Michigan students, so buckle up. This is what Michael Reeves says. He says, quote, Such are the problems with non-triune gods in creation. Single-person gods, having spent eternity alone, are inevitably self-centered beings, and so it becomes hard to see why they would ever cause anything else to exist. Wouldn't the existence of a universe be irritating? Wouldn't it be an irritating distraction for the god whose greatest pleasure is looking in a mirror? Creating just looks like a deeply unnatural thing for such a God to do. If such gods do create, they always seem to do so out of an essential neediness or desire to use what they create merely for their own self-gratification. God's ecstasy, everything changes when it comes to the Father, Son, and Spirit. Here is a God who is not essentially lonely, but who has been loving for all eternity as the Father has loved the Son in the Spirit. Loving others is not a strange or novel thing for this God at all. It is at the root of who he is. End quote. You want to know what the God of the Bible is like at his very being? He's a God who, for all eternity, has been doing the work of loving it is not an abstract or somehow like fabricated idea for him. It is fundamentally who he is. It's built into like his very being. And the only reason this can be fundamentally who he is is because he's a trinity. The Bible begins and ends with this, with this picture in Revelation 21. And there's this statement that, that says, The dwelling place of God is with man. He will be their God, and they will be his people. It's kind of the story woven throughout the course of the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. He will be their God, and they will be his people. It's the story of Christianity. That's what it's all about. In Genesis, God created us for a relationship with him. In Revelation, God saved us for a relationship with him. The very core of your being right here tonight cries out, yearns for, and desires nothing more than relationship with God. Y'all, it's the reason we don't know what to do with our bodies or our future. It's the reason we hate ourselves and are jaded toward others is because we don't know who owns us. We are made for him. And he wants to be with us. Hopefully you see that, that when your relationship with God is jacked up, your relationship with yourself is going to be jacked up. 
And because your relationship with God and your relationship with yourself is jacked up, your relationship with other people is going to be jacked up. It's why you don't trust guys, girls. It's why you don't trust girls, guys. The reason why there is distrust and abuse and manipulation is because we have left the most primary relationship there is. The lover of our souls. The creator of the universe. So he created us for a relationship with him. But he also created us for a relationship with other people. And, And that's my second point. But why? <laughs> why would he create us for a relationship with other people? Well, it's because we're made in his image, remember? God is a perfect, loving community in himself. So it logically follows that created beings, you, me, everybody else in this building, created beings made in his image are also made for loving community with each other. Y'all, it's why we talk about and obsess over community so much in RUF. Um, Sometimes, I I think in college, I I used to wonder, like, is that just like a Christian thing? Do they just kind of talk about community for kicks and giggles? No, like, we actually believe there's something theologically being communicated when we do community deeply. In these spaces, we hope you know and taste and experience even just like a smidget of the love the, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have shared for each other throughout all eternity. Like, that's why we go ice skating. That's why we do life groups. And look, Genesis two eighteen. it reveals the one thing that God thought was not good. Trees, good. Science, good. French fries, good. Jimmy the dog, good. Your Aunt Susie, very good. It is not good that man should be alone. Look, do you like oxygen? I'm, I'm a fan. Water, food, shelter. Friendship and intimacy is absolutely essential to human life absolutely vital. Like I said at the beginning, this is, this is why your deepest hurt tonight is relational hurt. It just is. It's either the absence of love or abuse. It's either being forsaken or, or spoiled. It's either being smothered or abandoned. Did you actually know... <laughs> As I was like writing the sermon today, did you know there is a website? You can you can Google this. Um, there's a website called rentafriend.com, where you can pay anywhere between fifteen and fifty dollars an hour to have someone like accompany you wherever you want to take them. Like go up to the theme park because you need someone to like ride the Ferris wheel with you. Yeah, you can pay someone fifteen bucks an hour for that. And um, what's interesting is I watched a clip from one of the people who, who actually, like, puts themselves on this website. And uh, there's this news anchor who asked this, this woman, what, like, why are you on this website? Like, what's the point here? And this is what she says. She says, everybody's working two or three jobs, going to school. I don't even have time to make friends. So that's basically why I joined this. 
<laughs> and so like, you guys might hear this as I was reading this, and it's like, ha, 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 wow, like, aren't, aren't they stupid? That, that sounds silly. But wait, wait, like, wait a second. Are you ever forced to do a relationship with people you don't know? And, and you don't know them? Have you ever felt like, like, maybe sometimes you have to, like, buy your friends? Or at least, like, please your friends? Have you ever felt lonely with your friends? Right, boom. All of a sudden, this, this website actually isn't maybe that far off from reality. We are created to be in these relationships, right? And you want them so bad. There are over like 30,000 students here, right? Undergrad count at the University of Michigan. And it feels like the opportunities are right there in front of you. Like college, out of all seasons of your life, like, boom, you should be just like oozing friendships left and right. And all you want to be seen, right? All you want is to be seen. I was processing this with Christina today. Like Instagram has it down, y'all. Right? You respond to somebody's story and you get to like it. And that's, always, that's the only interaction you got to do, Right? So why do I get so hung up when like, I send Christina a little meme and she doesn't like it? It's because I want to be seen by Christina. Right? And so maybe you're a sophomore or junior now and you can't escape the superficiality to your relationships. People might care, but like, not at the level you hunger for. Genesis 2.25, like, it, it paints the picture of the penultimate desire for a relationship, right? It's to be naked and not ashamed with someone else. For someone to see and know all of your mess, like all of it, like the thing you did, you know, last weekend, for someone to see all of it and draw near to you. Because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, there, there was no competition. There was perfect seeing. There was perfect knowing. There's perfect belonging and there is perfect mattering constantly before they created everything. In fact, right, like it was out of the overflow of this, the overflow of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's love for each other that they decide to make a world so that there can be more love. We're created for that. We're hardwired for it. And here's the last thing. We're created for God's creation. And so here's what we find in these verses in, ch- in chapter 1 of Genesis. Going back. As God is creating the world, here's what we find. We find the king of the world beginning the story of creation by creating the heavens and the earth. And it said that the earth was formless and void. Right? Like another way of putting that is that the earth was, it was disordered. It was chaos. But the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. It could be ugly and unpleasant, but Moses, the author of Genesis, wants you to know that the Spirit of God was there. And here's why you need to know this like from the very get-go when you start to read the Bible. It's that God wants to make things on earth look like they do in heaven. That's why he created everything. It's the overflow of his powerful, creative, loving heart and mind. Right? And it's so important that you 
know this idea that the Bible refers to as kingdom. There's a king and there's a kingdom. It's so important that you get this idea from the very get-go. Right? Jesus talks about kingdom more than he does anything else in the Gospels. His kingdom is to reign forever and ever with no injustice, no fear, no anxiety, no abuse, no, no manipulation, no hurt. An existence where people love each other perfectly forever and always. Right? This is why God through Jesus Christ created the world. It's for an eternal kingdom that reigns and reflects more of who God already is. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so get this, y'all. When you sign up to follow this Jesus, when you follow this Jesus, you're signing up to work in his kingdom. That's why following Jesus is, is actually exciting. I know Christians have put a bad job out there of like what it looks like to follow Jesus. Um, but when you follow Jesus, it's exciting because you sign up to work in his kingdom. You, you sign up to push back the darkness. Anytime you sit with a friend, teach like new coding, heal with the latest medical advances, or write something that is true and beautiful. Anytime you do anything at all, that is good, true, and lovely. You're pushing back the darkness in the name of the king. This is what it means to have a relationship with his creation. Vocation and calling. This is why, like, if you want to be a lawyer, you want to be a lawyer not because you want to get rich. It's because you want to help bring about God's justice to an unjust world. It's about being something greater and bigger and more beautiful. If you're doing what you're doing because of the money, that's, God, that's just kind of lame. A lot, of money's, a lot of money's great, right? But like, where's the bigger story in that? At RUF, the only reason we're here, or a new campus ministry, y'all might be wondering, why is there another campus ministry? The only reason we're here is to help you get lost in this great kingdom. We want you to see that the gospel of Jesus Christ gives you eternal meaning and purpose and value. Like nothing else you're going to hear on this campus can offer you that. Secular atheism or agnosticism has no category. You are not just a ghost driving a meat-coated skeleton made from stardust riding a rock hurling through space. Friends, you mean so much more than that. Your life means so much more. Okay, so bringing this back to relationships. What's the point of having a relationship with the creation? Here's the thing. It, it means that relationships are not an end in themselves. Well, like, Robert, well, time out there. I thought you just made, like, a point for, like, 25 minutes about how relationships are so vital and important. So, yeah, let me be clear. Relationships are important. They're essential to who you are as a human being, but they aren't sufficient. Relationships exist as a means rather than an end, right? They exist so that we can love one another to expand his kingdom. Again, it's all about the kingdom. 
And so, like, despite what modern romance often suggests, right, basically every movie you watch or, like, romantic love is this, like, penultimate thing, you know, and despite maybe what the song Good For You implies, like, we were not created only for one another. Like, when your relational happiness becomes your life, right, there's this, like, suffocating pressure upon them. And when they don't work out, like, you find yourself on the floor of your bathroom again, crying all night. And here's what I'll end with. So what if, what if instead you were created for his kingdom? And out of your relationship with the kingdom, it was, it was there that your relationships with other people actually began to flourish. You see that? Like, this is good news. It's actually great news. Like, all semester long, like, I intend to teach on your relationships, but then to, like, also simultaneously free you from your relationships. Um, it's obviously a kind of a tightrope to walk, right? And we're going to be praying the entire time for God's wisdom and power to make clear what he needs to make clear the entire time. And let's do that now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for our relationships. 